fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to the great show in the galaxy i'm emma and he's mike and today we're going to have a chat about some of the music of doctor who uh but first i believe we've got an email from mr shane thomas yay uh, sent us one in about um our podcast about uh jody whittaker's companions for the next mm-hmm. series um he says uh, just listen to the pod on 13's new companions and i share many of emma's concerns it remains to be seen how it all pan out but it seems that chibnall's giving himself more problems than he needs to being the showrunner is a difficult enough job without making changes that feel somewhat unnecessary. In terms of positive, Tozin Cole was in a one-off BBC drama called The Secrets, where he's pretty impressive. Not sure if it can be viewed anywhere else, though. But he's a decent dramatic actor, and I may be mistaken, but I think Mandeep Gill is the first South Asian companion Doctor Who has had, which, if nothing else, is overdue, as I believe South Asian representation on the show has been largely non-existent for recurring characters. But I suspect the three companions will be cut down to two or one once Whitaker's first series is done. My hot take is that Chibnall will kill one of them off. It's a lot easier to do that with other companions to soften the blow. So thanks for that, Shane. Oh yeah, cheers, Shane. Um, I think he's, I think he's probably right. Um, mm. It wouldn't surprise me if we get an early, an early kill off or something like that, um, just yeah. to kind of shake up that formula. I mean, like obviously we talked about it at length um, the other day, but. Um, it's it i mean we talked about you know the, the problems of having three companions plus a new doctor sort of presents yeah um so i mean having having the flexibility of three sort of gives you some space to use one of them in a in a kind of dramatic fashion if you will mm. um so i think shane might be might be on the money there but i mean it's at this point we're in the as we're recording it it as we're recording now it's uh, we, uh, if people are listening to this in the future, uh, we haven't seen any of uh, any of the companion or the doctor or anything like that. Uh, we've just had a little clip that's come out for Children in Need, which was uh, pretty indistinct. Didn't really tell us a lot more than uh, any more than we uh, know right now. So mm-hmm. um, at this point, it's now a case of wait and see. Um, so yeah, we'll we have to wait and see. Um, yeah. I think that uh, yeah, I think uh, I agree with Shane that I think that Chibnall might be giving himself more problems than he really needs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, we'll see how he, how he intends to to uh, to uh, proceed. Mm. Right, so let's get into our main subject. And um, I kind of wanted to do this one because I, I don't sort of feel like it's the kind of subject that gets a lot of attention somehow. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, considering that Doctor Who's theme song, or theme mm-hmm. tune, I should say, is maybe the most iconic piece of of theme music in television, kind of full stop. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got this and and Star Trek and yeah. um, maybe a couple of others, but in terms of it being a piece of recognisable music that the second you hear, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. you know what it is. Um, and in terms of branding, you can't really ask for much more than that in no. uh, in a show. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those subjects that kind of gets brushed by, mm. um, especially in its, in its early days. I think that um, it, it kind of gets um, not really talked about how innovative Mm-hmm. The, the radiophonic workshop was as well and the and how sort of right at the bleeding edge of what we can now come to know as electronic music yeah um uh, really i mean Dina Derbyshire's contribution to electronic music mm-hmm. and um composition i mean you can't really 
overestimate it in a way and i think that yeah. unfortunately um because they were sort of consigned to a to a dusty cupboard in the bbc <laughs> um i mean delia dalshaw i believe wasn't given credit up until very recently for her work mm. um on doctor who uh it was all just part of this department that did all it all of it yeah. um so it's kind of as well as things that without the the in the um the breakthroughs that they made mm-hmm. and the willingness to experiment and put sound like that on a TV show. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you would have, I mean, some of the dance music that you have today, cause it, you just wouldn't I mean the whole idea of cutting together and splicing bits of tape together mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. these very strange oscillating noises. It just wasn't done at the time. No, no. Um, it, honestly, it's, it, I think it's like the, the radiophonic workshop. I mean, in, I suppose it's like the not we. Um, it it's sort of like that sort of like one strange little thing that made weird sort of bleeps and bloops. But like you say, you know how much music these days is electronic, and you know if if it weren't for them, it wouldn't be as like nearly as uh, as expansive as it would have been. Um, I think it still probably would have come about in some way, shape, or form. But I think the Radio Funk Workshop really had a big hand in it, and. Um, like I say, apart from like things like the special sounds and all that, um, it was mostly I think actually a lot of it sort of helped Doctor Who along during the eighties, mostly for the Radiophonic mm. Workshop, um, because like the the music from like the sixties, like there's a few episodes that have what you would call a score, mm. um, but I mean it's uh, the likes of like Brian Hodgson and Tristan Carey. Um, for the most part, they usually did sort of just sort of like stings and sort of little bits of um, wibblies, if you if you <laughs> for lack of yeah. a better term. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest thing to come out of the, the Radiophonic Workshop is the theme tune um, written by Ron Green, and he did actually push very hard for a long time to get uh, Dilly Derbyshire some credit in realizing it. Um, but sadly, never really came to came to pass. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, in terms of the theme song, uh, obviously it's had many many iterations uh, throughout the show's run. Any particular favourites of yours, or anything? That's... Um, I think for me, um, because of where the era that it was on when I really started watching, who kind of properly, if you will, when mm-hmm. it was on. Um, UK Gold and stuff like that. I mean, it was mostly Tom Baker yeah. that we were watching. So that for me is the mm-hmm. the kind of the default theme tune, if you will. Yeah. Um, it, it's the one that when I hear it, it most takes me back to those days of um, of mm-hmm. when I was just first discovering it. So yeah, that's that's kind of my my kind of my default, if you like that one. Yeah. Um, it's it's not the best one, I don't think, but. It, if it, if you're gonna say right, okay, so play for me the Doctor Who theme tune. I think that's the one I play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what what do you consider to, like to be the best version? Oh, see, this is the problem because yeah. <laughs> I I I don't hate any of them. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there are some people who really hate like um, sort of the later when they change from when the tenth Doctor one changed to eleven. Oh yeah, eleventh version. People were really like, oh, about the hate that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, it 
it uh, it kind of is one of those things of when you're watching it every week or you're going back and watching them again, they kind of grow on you and it becomes mm. the default one until the next one comes along. If you see what I mean, yeah. Um, I, mean. I I kind of have a soft spot for for you know the minute one, the original original. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that sh- sort yeah. of that swishy noise that comes in, yeah, um, yeah. in, in the, right at the beginning. Um, it's not quite as it's nowhere near as bombastic as it is now. No, no, no. Um... Yeah, I, I do like hear what you mean. Um, there, there's always like that time in the change of music. Oh God, I don't like that. But the more you sort of listen to it, the more it grows in you. I think totally the only one that Murray Gold's done recently that I haven't quite cared for as much is probably from like Series Seven Part Two. Yeah, because it's just sort of. I, don't, I mean, obviously, I can understand with it sort of uh, debuting the Snowmen. Um, it sort of like fits with the like the doctor's sort of particular mindset in that episode, mm. but I don't, it just seems to be like the BBC suddenly said, "Oh, could you do a new version?" And we go to it. Yeah, there you go. It's it's sort of I don't want to say half baked, but it's not quite. It doesn't quite catch the ears. So much. And that's maybe kind of why it hasn't had a proper um, release on a soundtrack. Yeah, really. Um, that is quite interesting. I mean, I think it's probably significant as well that it's quite recently that Murray Gold is not being retained by Chris Chibnall. Oh, is he not? No. Ah, um, so I was we're going to have that. Yeah, I mean, considering that Murray Gold has, has survived every change <laughs> from from two thousand and five up till now, mm. um, it's going to be a, sort of a big, a kind of a big, not like a whiplash moment, but I think that. Murray's music was um, subject to a lot of chuntering, I think, in fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, that at times his scores overwhelmed the um, the content. If you see what I mean, there was mm. there were there was times where it was. I don't know if it was just the mix that it was on TV. I mean, because I had a, you know, my my dad was one of the big sort of complainers about this, mm-hmm. that he couldn't hear dialogue over the music yeah. because of the way that obviously ch- changing to HD and um, the way sound. that surround sound and that sort of thing. A lot of people's tellies aren't haven't got the right set up to um, take advantage to of play this. it properly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you get things being drowned out that you shouldn't. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that there is a case to be made that sometimes it, it that Murray's scores um, were a little bit overwrought and kind of yeah. too too much for the for the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, w- one thing I I really did like that he he did was that there was this whole idea that um, every that a companion, for instance, they had their own theme, mm-hmm. and you would hear little refrains of those themes throughout that series. Um, I'm trying to think, sort of the one that sort of sticks to my mind for some reason is the Martha's one. Yeah, um, that was that was sort of very prominent throughout the series uh, mm-hmm, when she mm-hmm. was on. So uh, it's going to be a. It's, I think actually, sort of, in, you know, that we've gone through RTD and and Moffat now. Um, depending on who is uh, is charged to do to take on the job mm. and how they approach it, it's possibly going to be maybe even sort of one of the biggest sort of the you know thematic changes that's going to come out of the out of this uh, change of regime. Yeah. Um, because it gives it you know it gives a lot of. Um, 
you know, a lot of meaning, a lot of emotional impact, that sort of music. So mm-hmm. having someone with a completely different mindset coming to it is, is going to change a lot of things, I think. Yeah. No, you're quite right. I, I did actually hear about Murray Gold um, being replaced. And um, I, I like I like a lot of his compositions. Um, a lot of the things he does is great. I mean, I absolutely adore the music he did for The Twelfth Doctor. Yeah. And... It's going to be a shame, like, once the Christmas special rolls around, because you know it's going to appear at least one last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just absolutely love that theme. But it's interesting because, like, I've, like I don't, like, follow Silver Screen Records on Twitter, but I do often, like, check in to see if there's any, like, new announcements. Mm-hmm. And there's often been a lot of times where people go, any news on Doctor Who Series 9? Like, the Series 9 and Series 10 soundtracks haven't even materialised. And yeah. in a way, I don't know what it is. I mean, apart from like obviously a good man, which is twelve theme, um, a lot of the music from the last two series hasn't really stuck out to me. No, no, I I, I do wonder if that's kind of part of the kind of a pushback against his uh, mm. his his more bombastic fee- uh, music, and like, I think like you say, sort of the the um, the series seven kind of part two era mm-hmm. which i think maybe was the most egregious yeah uh, uh stuff maybe um i think maybe there's been sort of a, a a push back against his music being quite so in the in the forefront mm-hmm. i mean we've for goodness sake we've had a couple of years of proms themed around his music yeah uh, i mean the doctor music but obsessively his yes. um so um i mean obviously it's a, it's a bit of a two-edged sword because on one hand you wouldn't if if his if his music wasn't so um part of the 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 stories um mm. i think maybe you wouldn't ha- you obviously wouldn't have problems but then again people who really much prefer music to be you know uh, a bit more more subtle it's yeah. uh it's it's kind of it's it, symbolic of the excess if you will especially mm. like around the the rtd and the end of the david ten era when it was everywhere and everything it, it yeah. kind of became symbolic of that i think yeah i think that's a fair point um so yeah obviously like getting back to the 60s a lot of it was just yeah. sort of um it's like special sounds and uh yeah obviously had like a few sort of library cues and stock music so obviously had like uh, Space Time Adventure Part 2 which became the Cyberman leitmotif um, like stories like The Invasion did have like proper like music written for it um, you know like, like the theme for the brig and um, a few it was, like, very like spy uh, style music um, and obviously you have the the infamous uh, Cybermen rising from the sewers uh, bit of electronica mm-hmm. so when you get to the 70s that's when you get the era of Dudley Simpson yeah. He never really got like a full orchestra, but no. he always had like a like at least four or five people on. And a lot of his scores, I mean, I have to admit whenever I'm like listening to um the 50th anniversary collection and I guess like sort of that like time period, there are some like what which stand out like I, that's from Seeds of Doom. But there's yeah. others where I have to like go, right, what's this again? And I have to like look um and it's, and it's not like a, a slam against Dudley Simpson. Um, I think it's just because that much. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there, there are a couple that stand out in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Sea Devils is is oh, one. Oh yeah, I love the Sea Devils. Um, 
<laughs> I think love's a bit strong word for me. I'm not. I'm not a super huge fan of that theme. Um, but yeah, it, you're, you're quite right. Um, it again talking about we sort of regard Doctor Who music in the way we've sort of come to know it in that mm-hmm. it's it's a huge part. But really, usually in the 70s, they were commissioned to write something like the 12 or 13 minutes of. Oh yeah, of music and mm-hmm. just to, like you say, sort of special sound and to fill in instant, you know, and to when the master makes a pronouncement to go bum 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 and <laughs> um, you know oh. emphasise the evil bits. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so you're quite right. Um, it's they sometimes do feel a bit anonymous. Some mm-hmm. of those uh, those seventy soundtracks. I mean, cause, say Chuck sort of likes to to play those sort of in you know of a of an evening or if there's nothing else really on tv yeah. we'd have one on i'm like what the hell is this he's like don't you know i'm like no it just sounds like <laughs> generic doctor who episode 1.74 you know what i mean it's yeah. uh it it's it they all sound very um it, it's, it's sticking with the electronics as well mm-hmm. i mean the fact that we didn't really move over to being fully orchestral until the the return it was mm. the whole idea of it's you know one bloke a keyboard some yeah. reel-to-reel tape sort of idea yeah and and uh, murray gold didn't even get the full orchestra until series two or the christmas special at least mm. the, the entirety of series one was like done synthesized and you can tell really yeah um i don't think like although it's gotten a lot like more sort of realistic like i can still tell the difference between what's a proper orchestra and what's just like synthetic yeah um Um, i think that obviously we're gonna move on to the 80s but i think it's quite significant when when you listen to the 60s and 70s music Mm -hmm. you couldn't sit there and go oh that's the 60s and 70s if you had no context you couldn't say that's the 70s sound almost It, it it sounds like the 60s sound does in that it's it's music for Doctor Who's science fiction family show. Mm-hmm. It it's not like what I think one of my complaints of the 80s. It, it doesn't sound like the popular music, sort of even the more experimental pop music at the time. Yeah. Um. So again, so once the 80s rolled around, um, that's when uh, Dudley Simpson was let go by John Nathan Turner and um, from the Leisure Hive onwards it was mostly like synth- synthesised music um, and with just like a few um, exceptions well a, a few sort of like uh, additional instruments played live so like, obviously the King's Demons actually, was, which is one of my favourites um, has like a proper acoustic guitar um, and uh, it's got proper medieval instruments yeah 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 um, which oh God, I don't know what it is about. <laughs> I, I know you like the King's Demons, but I, it, for something about the crumb horn, which they have to, which they use, which is an authentic piece of, of instrumentation from that time, mm. the sound cuts straight through me. Mm. And it's one of those things of it, it kind of makes my teeth go, not go on edge, but just a little bit like, if mm. I have to listen to this much more, it's going to make me cross. It, yeah. it is one of those things of, I don't know if it's because, um, say again, Chuck was looking for, he ended up sort of looking for the for the orchestra, sort of the the uh, orchestra that I want to say likes like a four piece or something that do mm-hmm. um, music from that time on the the instruments of the time yeah. and uh, you know listening to an afternoon of people banging away on a harpsichord and a and a crumb horn sort of just makes you want to <laughs> you know pray for death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of like King's Demons, I always like um, the bit of guitar that. 
the like, overlay when you've got the reveal of like chameleon in place of the king just like like strumming away and so he looks up and says, oh hi you're right um it's just like that's sort of, like i don't want to say guitar solo because that's not quite but you know what i mean it's that i mean that i love that bit i just love that um I mean, also you've got things like um, the Happiness Patrol, where you have like the harmonica, um, which I think I think that's Kev McCulloch, wasn't it? Who yes, did the I music think for so. That. Yeah, and that's one of his better scores, I think. Yeah. Um, are there any like particular standouts from the eighties that? Um... Um, I think for me, for the eighties, it's not anything particularly stands out as such. Mm. I think for me, my problem with the eighties music is that it sounds like music from the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> um, it sounds like because obviously in the eighties, so new wave was popular and mm-hmm. electronic dance music was becoming popular. We had like, the Pet Shop Boys and um, you know uh, lots of other artists like that who were using the same equipment mm. to make pop music. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that when you listen to some of the the, tra- the stuff in the eighties, it just sounds like. Um, somewhat, you know, sort of a, a crap remix of uh, West End Girls or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's it 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 feels very of its time. Whereas with mm. the 60s and 70s stuff, because it's not of a time, it sounds timeless. If you see what I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. It 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 sounds like oh, this is music for Doctor Who. It doesn't sound like even sort of the weirder stuff that was happening in the 70s, which you know, there's plenty of. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. I, I I do feel some of the 80s stuff is, is it does now sound quite dated. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, I know obviously that I think you more than me sort of feel a lot more nostalgia towards the 80s soundtracks, but because mm. I sort of came to them much later on yeah. um, and obviously we're children of the 90s and having <laughs> grown up with the contemporary music of the 90s, which was from the 80s and then that, as you say, the European dance music and stuff that was in the charts yeah, and yeah. Um, it, it, it just sounds like sort of, you know, a, a, some of it at its worst kind of sounds like sort of a third grade German techno band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean i suppose like really kath mcculloch is kind of like the uh, i'm i hate to say the word loathe because you know i don't like bear the man in any ill will but no, I don't um a lot of his scores have sort of like the sort of yes owner of a lonely heart type style sort of like orchestral like hits mm. do you know what i mean like the ding, sort of like yeah that, uh, that noise sort of <laughs> That is that is the sound of the eighties, eighty two to me. I mean, yeah. going into action, you get that noise, and it's right. Okay, we're off now. And that <laughs> that that to say that kind of that sting that's in mm-hmm. a lot of those tracks is is, you know, you could blindfold me and just put on, you know, just play the isolated soundtrack, and I'll just go, okay, that's that sylve, mm-hmm. straight up and down. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, like Happiness Patrol side, I do like. Um, there's the one bit of music I always like of Kevin McCulloch is um, the graveyard scene from Remembrance of the Daleks where um, Mike gets jumped by the headmaster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, again, that's like, <laughs> it's primes like 80s, but I don't know. Because, I mean, I had, um, there was a, an audio release around about that time. It was slightly after on cassette and it was like Kevin McCulloch's work. On it, so he had like stuff from Delta and the Bannerman, um, 
I don't think there was anything from Silver Nemesis, but I can't quite remember. But it was it was like Paradise Towers, uh, Time in the Rani, all that, all those sorts of areas. Um, and so, sort of like when you get to like the, the last two series, you had like the likes of Mark Ayres, uh coming in and producing stuff like, like Ghost Light and Curse mm. of Fenric, um, which I, I think they like stand up a little bit better. Right. Um, I think Ghost Lights. Um, it, it tries to aim for that sort of Victoriana sort of sound. And I think it did try to push Marquez uh, for an actual sort of, not band as such, but a lot more realistic instruments. But I don't know whether the time or the money just wasn't there. So yeah, he kind of had to just like make do with what he had. So, um, I mean, obviously we didn't really have a, a great deal of, of who in the 90s, but... Mm. Um, I remember I've never especially liked the the TV movie arrangement very much. It's an odd one, isn't it? Yeah. Because it launches with the middle eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't mind the, the music itself in the TV movie. I don't think it's too bad. I mean, there's, a, no. yeah, there's like, like Brooke bass whenever, you know, it's like the Eye of Harmony is open and you have the great little bit of action music when like when the master first breaks out and starts like causing the TARDIS to crash and you got you know the seventh doctor's like frantically like flipping switches and trying to get the TARDIS back under control I mean I I love that piece of music but um yeah the 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 music itself on that one's not super great no um, it's because obviously I think as as well because I don't think especially fondly of the tv movie um it's one of those things of, oh, yeah, you would be shit as well, wouldn't you, theme song? Uh. Yeah. But, I mean, and obviously we've, like, got Murray Gold um, back, sort of, like, back to the present, if you will. Um, so, like, this is theme music aside, is there any particular like, music of his that um, stood out to you? Or I mean, for me, I think it's the... Um, for him, it's, it's one of the, the things that... It, not so much the um i mean i always talked about the the themes for each companion and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that but the um the sort of contemporary the actual songs he wrote fully like you know angel with devil in me and things like that mm. from um and uh the other sort of christmas ones yeah, that he did a song for 10 Stowley. and things like that yeah it's, um, yeah i never really cared the only one that i really cared for was song for 10 but the version that you got in the show itself, which has never seen a soundtrack release, because it has that sort of slightly sort of I don't know, sort of Beach Boys esque kind of sound to it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, whereas, like the stuff you get on the, the soundtracks, more sort of not big band necessarily, but you got like Neil Hannon. Uh, performing the vocals and that one I just never really got into right um, okay and I, I, I think as well it sort of reached its its nadir when we had um, Christmas Carol and the whole reason why we employed Catherine Jenkins <laughs> um, I mean I, I, I mean I don't dislike Abigail so I, mean, I think it's it's a nice piece of music mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately I mean when you're basically you're waiting the whole waiting the whole episode for her to belt a tune out and yeah. uh, I mean it's fine but uh, yeah. it's um, you know it, it, it does feel a little bit 
on the nose when you mm. you know you <laughs> employ sort of the, the you know maybe the nation's best soprano and uh, yeah. you know just uh, just say a few words and we'll get you to sing a song at the end and that'll do. I mean, not the problem when they employed Kylie Minogue. No, you'd think you'd get her to bail out a tune or two, but no. <laughs> No, exactly. It's mm. like, you know, set on a train, you can do locomotion or something. Um, <laughs> something, that, uh, something else that sort of sticks out from the two, if you look at the, you know, the list of music that's been featured on Doctor Who, I mean, mm-hmm. um, in in back in the classic era, you had um, contemporary songs. So not things that have been composed, but actually sort mm. of little grabs of music. I mean, there was Fleetwood Mac in, um, in um, oh God, Brain. Uh, Fleetwood Mac is in... Oh, spearhead from space. It's spearhead, yeah, because they had to sort of cut it from the yeah. the um, the initial it... DVD release and put it back in. Mm. I mean, not, the one that sticks out, the second Doctor had, um, you know, there's a bit of paperback writer in um, by the Beatles in one of the episodes as well yeah, and things like that. Take it for a um, who was in the chase, famously. Yeah, um, um, on the visualizer, and Ian, Ian doing his little sort of dad dancing. <laughs> oh god, dear. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you go and look at all the music featured from the series sort of post return, mm-hmm. the list of music they use is enormous. I mean, not, not sort of it's little bits and pieces, but you don't realize quite how much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's something when like, obviously when end of the world first broadcast, um, and you had like tainted love pop up on the jukebox. It was like, Oh, okay. Because again, like, although it's, that happened a few times before, previously in Doctor Who's never really it, it actually stands out a lot more yeah and the way they use it is what well, I mean because Love and Monsters is wholly predicated around the music of uh, ELO <laughs> Yellow, yeah um <laughs> you have the bit in uh, Sound of Drums with the Scissor Sisters yeah. track which is uh, a big part of it Andrew Detailed, um, yeah have the Bolero in Impossible Planet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think we should explain a little bit because um, for people who are not of this country and maybe not of the, quite the right age, because everyone in this of the certain age of in this country knows the tune of the Bolero, yeah, uh, because it was the track that Torville and Dean, our own premier and in fact only uh, ice figure skating duo, won mm-hmm, gold mm-hmm. in the Winter Olympics to the to the Bolero. So everyone of over a certain age knows that. Yeah, um, knows that music. So when it was put in, it's one of those sort of cultural signifiers that people sort of when you put it in um, in this country, people who are sort of over sort of twenty five, I suppose, would know mm. it. Or, or at least if they didn't watch it live, have yeah. seen it re- replayed. Um, it, it it just sort of gets popped in, and people who live here know what that means. But I think mm-hmm. people who maybe live sort of outside the UK wouldn't realise the significance of of putting the bolero in, um, putting it in a, in a, in a, in a soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, obviously apart from the stuff that, um, Murray Gold wrote himself, it's, uh, there's a big old list of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of surprising that, um, they kind of get away with users much licensed music as they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, but it's of... good that they can. I mean, I, it, Cold War wouldn't have been the same without, um, Ultra Ultra Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That's great. Again, Vienna is notorious in this country because didn't go to number one. Mm. It was kept off the number one spot by a novelty song. 
Shut up your face by Joe Dolce. Um, so it's it, one of those, again, it's one of those cultural things of people love Vienna, the song, mm-hmm. but not enough to get to number one over Shut Up Your Face. So um, it's, it's one of those sort of songs that comes with sort of hilarious baggage as well if you're from this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to um, discuss about uh, Doctor Who music? Because we've, we've been surprisingly uh, brief through this uh. well it's one of those things of it's it it's one of those things of um it only uh, it's, it's sort of only as a we can only really go so far just describing it unfortunately mm. um doctor who has sort of several kind of soundtracks which have got have gained traction with the the fan base and mm-hmm. some special sounds like you say like the the dalek kind of heartbeat yeah um noise from their ships like the Cybermen noises and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it's you kind of have to go back and experience them yourself really um, and and listen to some of them yourself and uh, they're quite different listen to in isolation as well so I mean I do Mm. sort of recommend listening to some of them because they're genuinely good bits of uh, tunes in there yeah I mean you can like get them on like places like Amazon music like it's easy enough to download like um, yeah like I say there's the um, 50th anniversary collection, which I think you can still get on iTunes. I mean, it's just the four disc version, but it's a pretty good like, like cross section. Yeah, yeah. Cross. Um, I think the 11 disc version you pretty much can't get anymore. I don't think. Um, and even then, that was like CD only, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, sorry, it's been a bit of a short one, folks, but. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes it doesn't hurt, does it? No, not at all. I think no. uh, it, it doesn't do to waffle on. Uh, a little bit like the music, you know, do your thing and uh, off you go. Mm. So uh, let us know your thoughts. If you have any particular Doctor Who music you're fond of, you can email us at greatestshow at simplesyndicated.com. You can tweet us at greatestshowpod or you can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash greatestshowpodcast. Please do check out our many sister shows in the network and as always, we welcome your support. The best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything, where a monthly fee of just £6 gives you access to a library of podcasts, not only from the network's archives, but also to shows exclusive to the service. Uh, we also have a merchandise store that offers apparel and accessories both Europe and America. We also have a Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye. <laughs>